talent speaks for itself. As an entrepreneur, if you are able to identify a unique market trap, come up with a simple, smart and effective solution for it, you can build a business that gets into the Y Combinator, which is like the mecca of the startup world. Such is the talent of Shruti Kapoor, who is my guest for ASFA's podcast today. Shruti is the CEO and founder of Wingman. Wingman is an AI-driven sales tool that records, transcribes and analyzes sales calls in the real time for a seller. It gives them insights on how to improve their calls and their outcomes and also provides on-the-go sales coaching. Isn't that amazing? So jump with me into this lovely conversation with Shruti. But before that, let me remind you of a to-do when you finish listening to this episode. Your to-do is to leave a 5-star review on Apple iTunes or on your podcast listening app because your review will help this podcast reach many more women entrepreneurs just like yourself, helping them sell more and grow more. So please show us some love and leave a 5-star review for this podcast. And now, let's meet our guest for the day. Fall in love with selling as you acquire the right mindset, selling style and sales process that helps you take your business solution to more prospects, potential clients and the world at large. If you are a women entrepreneur who is looking to get more sales, scale and sustainability in your business, you have reached the right place. I'm Roshni Baronia, your host for the show Ace the Sales, which is all about helping you bring your authentic and influential self to each sales conversation. Hey Shruti, welcome to Ace the Sales Podcast. Hi Roshni, glad to be here. So Shruti, from uh, doing BSc in Life Sciences from National University of Singapore to doing MBA from IIM Ahmedabad to being a startup founder in Y Combinator. Please tell us about this exciting journey that led you to entrepreneurship and how did you land up making a sales tech tool like Finman? Sure, I think uh, you know every business has uh, a journey that revolves around the experiences that the founders have and that gets them to do what they decide to do. Uh, for me, of course, it was uh, kind of, uh, you know, a journey with uh, many turns, uh, I would like to say. All uh, right. So I, after my uh, life sciences, uh, you know, broadly, I was very interested in technology, right? And my life sciences degree was, um, you know, in computational sciences and life sciences. So I'd also been exposed to tech um, and one thing that I realized that journey was that, uh, you know, like while technology really excited me, what I wanted to do was to maybe understand a little bit more about how it was applied in real world. Um, and, you know, how do you take it, something from being in the lab as being an experiment uh, to being a product in the market. And uh, so that's kind of where uh, after uh, my MBA, I worked uh, for a long time with a fund called uh, Intellectual Ventures uh, Invention Development Fund where we were working with university researchers, uh, you know, in India, we were working with some of the main institutes like the IITs, uh, uh, central universities, et cetera. Um, and we were working with their researchers. And the idea was that, uh, you know, if you're able to take some of these things that are just sitting in the lab, it does two things, right? One is it ideally really motivates uh, every, um, you know, every kid who's just out there who's now able to see, oh, you know, this technology from the lab made its way here, uh, right? And secondly, it, of course, also then uh, focuses, uh, you know, the researchers to do more research that is more practically applicable, right? Otherwise, what happens is that 
you know, professors have only that much time. They spend a lot more time just doing the day-to-day stuff. Um, and so that was kind of the idea behind it. And of course, you know, there was a commercial intent as well. Uh, and I did that for eight years. So it was a, a very interesting journey for me. Um, I, you know, personally was able to bring a few of those products from labs into the market, uh, working with companies and trying to align like the company and the academia together uh, to take these things forward. Uh, and through that journey, of course, as I saw some of these things go, you know, there's always that fascination and, you know, while you're trying to coordinate with so many people, there are some uh, kind of frustrations on, you know, how fast you would want things to be, etc. I always felt that I wanted to do that too. Uh, and I thought that maybe I would want to do my own startup to, uh, you know, take some of my own ideas uh, and bring them to the market. And that's kind of where that motivation started. So, yeah, you clearly saw a gap from uh, the lab to the business, to the actual uh, playground of how products work in the market. So that was the gap that you were trying to fill. But uh, but tell me this this entire move from uh, the nine to five hamster wheel to being an entrepreneur. You were wearing the seller hat in your business, right? So for every business owner, they are the first salespeople in their own business. <laughs> <laughs> so coming from a uh, a research background and uh, working with uh, the brains of the world, how easy or difficult it was for you to get the first few customers for yourself? What were your top three learnings? Yeah, so I think uh, you're absolutely right. You know, when uh, you're kind of in the creator mode, uh, right? Very often you think that your job is to create something and then uh, you hope that, you know, whatever it is that you're creating, whether that's, you know, a product or a service or, uh, you know, like even like a small item in the household, uh, you you hope that somewhere that item, uh, you know, speaks for itself and, you know, people start buying it. And uh, unfortunately, that doesn't happen, right? You still have to be the mouthpiece uh, for all of those things. Uh, and for me, I had uh, experienced that uh, you know, at different levels, right? Like when I, of course, started talking to researchers, I was realizing, you know, why some of those people were not uh, trying to take the products to market, right? Like they also felt that, oh, if I create something great, you know, it should automatically find its way there, uh, right? And there's always that hesitation. And I think also culturally, we somehow feel that, uh, you know, blowing your own horn is not considered great, right? So you ideally want to just uh, you know, create something good, take a step back and like, you know, let that shine. Um, so when I switched uh, into my own entrepreneur uh, journey, um, you know, it was kind of interesting because one was I was making a product for sales teams, uh, right? So I was talking to a lot of sales uh, leaders and uh, I, of course, realized, uh, you know, what it took to be a sales leader. And I think some of those prejudices that we have, you know, when you don't know somebody from a certain field, uh, right, those uh, began to break down for me, uh, right? Because I realized that, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, not everybody is trying to like fraud you into something, right? Like a lot of times people are actually uh, trying to help, uh, you know, solve a problem, right? And that's kind of one way to think about sales. 
so that's that was i think one big turning point for me uh, to go from thinking about sales as something that is maybe not so desirable or you know something that may sometimes people think of as fake or uh, you know like uh, uh, too ostentatious uh to saying that actually you know what this is very simply helping somebody solve a problem and in my case i was like you know i really want to solve this problem of uh, sales people struggling with you know having to enter all this data manually remember things and you know while they are also trying to sell and meet their quota uh, and then my motivation simply became that listen i just want to help sales people do their job well uh, you know maybe reduce some of that stress that they experience reduce uh some of the negative things that exist with the job uh and so if i if i can genuinely help people uh you know get better at that then that's great and if it's it's not going to happen with them you know somehow discovering my product and therefore i have to go out there and talk about it uh and then going from you know that evangelization mode to actually selling is also a different thing right because it's easy to uh, say that okay you know what i will just talk about my product and i love it and how great it is uh, but you know slowly you also have to realize that people don't care about what you care about people care about what their problems are and so uh, you you know today when we are doing anything in the company uh, the first thing i ask them is like why should your customer care about this all right like whether you're writing a simple blog post or a post on linkedin or you're making some part of the product uh, and so i think that is very important uh, right and that helped us get our first ten customers where i would uh, you know go and ask people like okay what are some of your problems how are you trying to solve them and then try to put the product in the context of that problem uh, rather than saying that hey these are the five great things the product can do now go and use it uh, however you would want yeah that that's so important that uh, business owners are so much in love with their product or the service or the whatever solution that they have created that they forget actually what the problem for the customer is because everyone in the world loves just themselves they just want to know how anything or everything can help them but yeah that's a great point that you've made that uh, move from just loving your product to actually selling it yeah yeah if you go back in time uh, are there any things in the, your business uh, which you would like to do differently as a first time sales person for your own business not for anyone else's but your own yeah so i think uh, you know a few mistakes that we made uh, right early on one of the things that i would that we did was while we spoke to a lot of people who we thought uh, you know could be possible users for the product right and we then of course were in a hurry to start building the product for all those different people right uh, one thing that uh, i would do differently is to say that okay you know what bucket the different types of users that i have come across and then decide what is the one specific bucket that i want to build the product for right like in our case uh, you know we could have built the product for you know a call center uh, provider or we could have built it for you know somebody doing b2b sales for you know maybe 100000 dollar plus in deal values or we could have built it for like a small business owner uh, right um, and there was the geographic distinction right so while we tried to bucket and pick some of these uh, you know we we could have gone a little bit deeper like uh, one of the things that we realized was we wanted to focus on the us market uh, but a lot of the early explorations that we did were with you know businesses in india and uh, then you know you get some feedback but not all of that feedback is uh, necessarily relevant and what that does is it just prolongs your cycle 
uh, of uh, you know finding the right product market fit um that was one thing and the second thing was uh, to really appreciate uh the way people are currently doing things right uh, and really understand how people are doing things because when we try to solve the problem uh, you know we always have a point of view on hey you know what i think this is wrong or this is broken and this is how my product is going to fix it uh, but what we don't realize is you know what is the exact workflow that somebody does this today or if somebody has already tried to solve the problem uh, you know hack it together somehow uh then to think more deeply about you know what part of the problem is still unsolved for them because that gives you a lot of focus on saying what should that initial version of my product be able to do all right because otherwise you have two options what what will happen is either you will build too much of your product before you feel that it's ready for the market uh and in which case uh, you know you're going to just invest so much time and money and not know whether you're going in the right direction or you will build something and it will not be exciting for anyone because maybe that part of the problem they are already solving somehow right and you will say that you know i have only built part 1 and it's a five part product and you know i will build four other parts but you will get feedback only on part 1 from your users um so it's kind of important to go narrow and go deep uh, early on that that's some uh, great advice that uh, yeah don't uh, right away go into building a white elephant in your business and then don't know what to do with it and also that uh, customer segmentation and the uh, budgeting whom you are targeting is very important because then uh, i i think it uh, streamlines the entire communication and the niche and the pipeline building that you do in your business right exactly so yeah one thing that we learned constantly was just you know less is more in so many ways uh, and i still kind of struggle with that right like even when today somebody asked me like hey you know we can be doing a b or c what should we pick and you know your first answer is oh if i can do a b and c then you know i can be so much bigger uh, but it's so important to uh, you know be very disciplined about making that choice oh, i love that less is more that's my mantra for 2022 actually less is more <laughs> <laughs> so um, one interesting thing i noticed on wingman's website uh, also shruti that uh, you claim to do a 7 minute discovery call in which you are able to tell whether or not you can help a prospect solve their particular challenge or not so i'm curious to know how are you doing a 7 minute sales call for wingman what goes inside it <laughs> um so i think uh, you know so the first part of it is just having a dedicated time for discovery uh, right and i think that's that's the first lesson that we are trying to get across uh, right and uh, otherwise what happens is the same thing that i described uh, right which is your sales person is also most familiar with the product right and that is kind of their comfort zone all right uh, and therefore when uh, that is their comfort zone they get into a call they are most likely to go and say hello hey you know this is your name this is my name do the introduction and then jump into saying okay i am here to show you what wingman does and you know spend the next 30 minutes talking about it all uh, right and the reason why uh, that discovery part is important and why we kind of try to limit it to a certain time period and uh, is uh two things right one is you want the sales person to spend time listening to the customer so that when uh, they understand what the customer's problems are uh, they're offering a solution they're not offering a tool 
right it's like telling somebody hey here is a hammer now you know you can do whatever you want with it versus saying okay you know you want to put a nail in this type of a wall you should buy this type of a hammer and this type of a nail and then telling them how to use the hammer right uh, so that's kind of the distinction there uh, anybody you know like if you think of your product as a hammer then you know anybody can go and purchase a hammer from a hardware shop but not everybody will then be able to make the right type of hole right and you have to realize that what people are interested in is not buying that hammer they are interested in making that hole in the wall that is solving a problem for them uh, right so that is kind of the reason for that discovery call uh, but we also understand that you know especially in uh, the saas space you know the person you are selling to is constrained on time i don't want to spend you know one hour just talking about my problems and getting on multiple calls right i want my problem solved quickly and therefore it's important that the questions that the sales person asks are very pointed and they understand how do i quickly get the needs out of this person right now uh, which is where the less is more also helps if you are very focused on uh, you know who you are selling the product to your sales people already have a lot of understanding of what are the general problems uh, right so when they get on that call and uh, somebody tells us uh, you know the, the main purpose of that discovery is just to understand what is the biggest problem and why do they want to solve that problem with the product right uh, and very often we ask people challenging questions like okay so you know somebody tells us for our product hey i want to buy the product because i want all my calls recorded and we'll be like okay but you know zoom has the recording option why don't you just record your calls on zoom and the reason for us for challenging them is to make sure that they understand exactly what uh, you know they are not able to solve today uh, and what is the problem if they then go back to uh, doing it another way uh, because the other thing that you don't want is somebody to say that hey you know what i want to buy a rocket ship for doing something which is much simpler all right uh, if they want to buy a rocket ship they should be very clear that the rocket ship is the only thing that can solve their problem for them um so uh, the other objective of the discovery is also disqualifying people right so people who you don't think are the right users uh, right if you can tell them early on that listen i don't think this product is for you uh, if you're just looking to say record a podcast and you know wingman is not the tool you should be using then that is perfectly fine it saves you a lot of time it saves them a lot of time and then you make sure that the people who start using the product are uh, you know the right users for you and they are happy with the product those are some great tips challenge your buyer as to why they need the product or the solution and in a way you are actually qualifying the right buyer or the client for yourself also it will save you so much time effort and resources by not working with the misfit Shruti, you came up with a solution uh, in the form of a tech tool, which is the Wingman, to help salespeople get on the go coaching and call support. So, can you talk a little bit about the importance of sales coaching? Yeah, actually, this is uh, kind of uh, you know my favorite part of uh, doing a startup, right? Which is just getting so deeply into a problem. um and when i started you know first thinking about the product uh, and you know the idea for the product came because of my own pain points uh, while working at pioneer uh when i started talking to different people to ask them you know do you also face this problem and i would ask them you know how would you justify buying a product that solves this problem for you uh the problem that came up most often was uh, people would say listen 
you know, I have say 10 people or 20 people in my sales team. Uh, but, you know, if the bottom first person is doing, uh, you know, $100 uh, in revenue, you know, the top person is doing like $500 in revenue. And what I want to be able to do is to make sure that all of the people are able to, you know, perform at a consistent level, right? And so that is really the power of sales coaching. How do I get everybody in my team to have a good performance, right? Like how do I reduce the disparity of somebody only doing $100 versus somebody doing $500? Now, today, the way a manager does it is to say that, okay, you know what? Uh, suppose Roshni is doing really well and uh, Sanjana is not doing so well. I will go and I will constantly talk to Sanjana and say, okay, you know what? These are the deals in your pipeline. Why did you lose this? You know, what can we do to save the deal, right? But what gets missed is one, Roshni doesn't get any feedback on what she could be doing better, right? And if you don't go and give feedback to Roshni, she will probably feel demotivated after a while. She'll be like, you know, there's nothing more for me to learn here. Let me go and do something else. Uh, right. Uh, so that is one is that your best performers will stop performing or they'll stop being motivated or they will churn because they also want some change and they want some improvement. Right. The second thing that will happen is that you're actually not helping Sanjana because you don't know what she's doing in those calls that is not converting. Right. And ideally, what you want is Sanjana to be able to learn from Roshni to say, oh, I see now. You know, Roshni talks about pricing like this, and maybe that works for her customers, uh, right? So now you're also missing out on helping Sanjana improve because you are only able to look at very high-level things with her uh, and say that, oh, you know, can you send more emails to this person? Uh, can you, uh, you know, make sure that you don't talk about pricing at all, uh, right? Which are in, in essentially not having the impact that you want. So that is kind of the power of sales coaching, right? How do you make sure that your top performers stay with you and they continue to grow? And how do you make sure that you're helping the rest of the pack move towards the performance of your top performers? Right. So actually going uh, inside the cause and understanding where the person is getting stuck. Uh, what actually is the area of sales? Because sales has so many... Uh, nuances to it but what exactly is the conversation that they are getting started it is the negotiation it is the pricing it is just uh, making the first conversation it is the discovery call so what part uh, the person is facing problem with and then addressing that particular problem and bridging the gap so um talking about sales coaching um uh, should be what are some key benefits you have noticed in your journey personally as an entrepreneur as a leader, as a founder of women, what are the benefits of a sales coaching for any person, be it a sales leader, be it a sales rep, be it a business owner? Yeah, so I think uh, depending on the scale and size of your business, uh, right, the objectives that you should look to get from sales coaching uh, should be somewhat different, right? Uh, I think as, uh, um, you know, even as a solopreneur or as an early, um, you know, like a person with maybe just a, two, three member team, uh, right? The importance of sales coaching uh, often is just in thinking more deeply about the problems of the uh, prospect and iterating on the pitch, iterating on the product itself, right? Where you want to say that, oh, the customer said this, maybe 
that is how I should also talk about my product. Or maybe the customer said this, and therefore maybe I should go and build this feature first before I build the rest of it, right? Um, so in that sense, sales coaching uh, is about also observing, uh, right, what the customer is saying. Because when you are having that conversation, you don't have much time to observe, right? You are just trying to react. Um, so the ability to you know sit back and rethink that, and that's kind of what having a tool that allows you to record and then play those back and make comments on it helps too. Uh, when you are trying to scale the team, the importance of sales coaching is in uh, you know how do I onboard my new reps quickly, and what is a pitch that works for different types of people, right? Uh, and this is not just different types of prospects, but also different team members. Um, see, very often a mistake that a founder makes is uh, they when they hire their first few salespeople, they want the salespeople to sell the way they were selling the product, right? But as a founder, you can sell the product a certain way because you feel and think about the product that way. Uh, but you know, when you try and get a salesperson to sell the product, they can't sell it the same way, right? So each person also needs to position and be able to talk about it with a little bit of leeway based on their own style or their own background. Uh, right, so, so uh, and then of course it enhances and brings out the strength of that person. Exactly, um, and then you know once you are at a much larger scale, the uh, you know the importance of sales coaching is trying to get that consistency, uh, right? Where you are like, okay, you know, today if I have twenty people uh, and I hire twenty more people this year, then I want to make sure that you know my revenue also doubles, uh, right? Um, and that doesn't always happen because when you go from 20 people and you hire another 20 people, you know, you'll have more variability in people's performance, you know, uh, and that is kind of uh, the importance of sales coaching then and making sure that you are then driving a more consistent message. You have a much better tested out playbook uh, where you know exactly what is the message that works for a particular segment. How do I pitch this right? What are the questions I need to ask? So all of that. Uh, then goes into a playbook and then you should start to coach people on that playbook, uh, right? So you should no longer be coaching people just on, hey, you know, this is why you lost this deal. It should be much more about saying, hey, you know what? These are the five things that you should be doing at, with every deal in this stage. And I think you missed out doing this and this is the lesson. So in a way, it uh, while on one hand, it appreciates the diversity and differences in individuals who are the salespeople, but it also brings in alignment uh, in the communication and the pitch that they are making to the client because after all, they are representing one particular brand and there has to be synergy amongst everyone and every communication that goes out, right? Yeah, great. Exactly. Um, so the concluding question I would like to ask you, uh, Shruti, not just as an entrepreneur, but as a woman entrepreneur, because uh, I feel that we need to put the spotlight on women role models like yourself. So uh, what, according to you, will help women entrepreneurs especially embrace selling? Sure. Um, so I think, uh, you know, some of the lessons are, of course, common, uh, right? Uh, and I think some of the lessons are uh, maybe a little bit more uh, women-specific, right? Um, I think what is common is that, you know, you have to think about sales as solving a problem for somebody, uh, right? Um, and I think what is maybe... a Thing that is specific is just in terms of 
you know how women usually view uh, we view ourselves right like we like to second guess we like to be a little bit more in the background generally all right and those are things that when you are starting your own business you have to uh, kind of force yourself to get out of right um like i think one thing that i uh, constantly realize and struggle with is uh, and it's it's more just something to observe is that you know when you are starting your own business it's not about the product that you make like you are part of that product and the product is the brand that you're trying to create and you are the biggest part of that brand right because early on the brand is you and you have to be willing to go out there and be the spokesperson and the representative for the brand right it's it's you know even beyond just the sales part of it um and therefore uh, you know it's important to also spend some time just getting to know yourself right what are your strengths how do you view yourself because all of that is going to come out you know uh, whether or not you like it uh, when you start to position and talk more publicly and um, you know be out there um so i think it's important to become much more self aware right in that journey and to accept the fact that listen i can't hire a social media agency to do social media right i am part of the brand and therefore i have to be willing to define who i am and therefore you know how does that reflect in the brand and everything else that happens around it um and i think that a lot of times uh, women um, maybe uh, you know are more hesitant to do that uh, right uh, and the second part is uh, in terms of being uh, willing to ask for help uh, right um and what we do is uh, you know i think broadly people fall into two buckets right one is they will either be uh, like you know they are okay to ask people for help but they don't necessarily know what is the help that they are looking for all right or uh, they feel that you know i need to figure all of this out myself and then i you know even if i am asking somebody for help it's because of a failure and i have not been able to figure all this out right but there's a nice balance there right uh, and i think the way to think about that balance is that listen there is only this much that research can tell me right and then part of my research has to be in terms of talking to people all right so go do your research but then have specific questions that you want to ask people and be very clear about who you want to ask what all right uh, so today for example as a entrepreneur uh, you know one of the things that you will constantly encounter is you'll want to set up a new function right or you want to hire somebody for a role for the first time and you might not have done the role before and you might not have hired for that role before and you might not have written a job description for that role uh, right now when you start on that journey it's important to of course go and do the research right you can go read 20 job descriptions you can try to look up people on linkedin uh, who are doing that role uh, but after that you know it's also important to go and speak to people who've been in that role and who've hired for that role so that you can get that first hand information right uh, and defining every problem and saying that you know this is where i will get help from people because they have done this before so that i don't make the same mistakes and looking at it that way rather than looking at it as oh i will not ask people for help because then that is a failure uh, and i look stupid yeah exactly that that's a huge problem with women and i think a lot many people also they, they don't have the willingness to ask however we also are in a digital age where accessibility is huge you can go out there and ask mentors ask for help reach out to anyone 
but still there is this internal inhibition which stops people from asking and another point that you uh, very well made that uh, be specific about what you are asking what help you need be specific about that so uh, yes shruti thank you so much for doing this conversation with us i am sure the listeners had uh, some great takeaways from your journeys uh, and your sharings about what you are doing in your business thank you so much thanks roshni it was fun talking to you